have you ever asked yourself this question? Is this worth it? Whatever this may be, have you ever asked yourself that question? Is this worth it? Like, is my time worth it? Is my mental health worth it? Is all these things worth it? I've totally been in that position, and maybe you have too. I've been in that position before, and I've, I've walked around for like an hour and 30 minutes, and apparently I'm like pushing this little buggy, and, and there's these aisles I'm grabbing things from, and I'm just like, man, this is crazy, and you're just grabbing stuff. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in this line, and you're like, dude, I've already been standing and walking around for like an hour and 30 minutes, and I have to stand here, and I'm asking myself, is this worth it? See, I'm talking about Walmart. Have you been to Walmart when you're like standing in line and you're like, I've already walked around forever and look at this. And you're asking yourself, is this worth it? And you're like, think of the kids, think of the kids, think of the kids. <laughs> They're like, I have to feed them, I have to feed them. Man, I had that experience all the time. I also had this experience during New Year's. Uh, I went to Morelos to go buy arrachera to make tacos de arrachera. And I had to wait like 30 minutes for this meat to be ready. And I was like, dude, I really want to make these tacos for my friends for New Year's. So I just had to sit there and say, this is worth it. This is worth it. It's so good. It's worth it. Think of the tacos. Think of the tacos. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my goodness. But this is a great question for us to ask. And, and really, let's take it a step further. Have you ever asked, is suffering worth it? Is suffering worth it? You know, suffering is a normal part of human life. And I honestly get really surprised when people act really surprised when suffering comes. I'm like, do you not understand that this is normal part of life? And, and really my hope this morning is, is that we take the next 30 minutes to seek out the Lord and say, Lord, what does your word have to say about this? What does your word have to say about how suffering is worth it? Because honestly, I believe that the Lord has us in this passage for a reason. He has us in this passage because honestly, for our mental sanity and our spiritual sanity, we have to understand Lord, how do we answer if, suffer, if suffering is worth it? Lord, how do I know? Because truly, tomorrow, if not today, and if not today or tomorrow, the next day or the next year or the years to come, suffering is going to come if you're not already there. And so we have to be able to understand, Lord, how do we answer these questions? And so if I haven't met you yet, my name is Misael Gonzalez, and I'm one of the pastors here in Truly, it's a privilege to be with you. It's a privilege to open up God's word with you. And last Sunday was honestly really special if you were here uh, because really we got to have this direct application of our vision for 2021, this gospel adventure that we're in, which is really living a life with this missionary mindset. And so we were able to directly apply that and say, how are we going to do that together? And really to take it even a step further, you could say that it's a direct application of our church's purpose statement. Our church's purpose statement is to love all people to Christ and equipping them on their journey with God and their journey with one another. And so all last Sunday was all that application together because I think the Lord is going to do something incredible with a people who are so willing to do what they have to do for the Lord using all of what they have and in really all of of who God has made them to be. And it's like, Lord, we want to be a people who are willing to do your work. And maybe that looks like hosting a circle. And so if this is the first time you've ever heard of hosting a circle, man, after the service, I would love for you to come up to me and ask me, hey, what does that mean? I would love to explain that to you. 
And so also, if you're new with us, I just want to make sure uh, we're all on the same page. And so we're in this series called Greater Than. And it's a sermon series where we're talking about Jesus and how he's preeminent over all things. And this word preeminent really just means that Jesus is above all, or he is the first rank above all things. And this morning, I hope we come away with that really Jesus is preeminent over suffering. He really is. He is above suffering. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 24. And so as you're turning there to Colossians chapter, chapter 1, verse 24, I want to remind us of a couple of things, some context things that I think are really vital. Don't forget who Paul is. Paul's the one writing Colossians. And don't forget that he had this incredible encounter with the Lord, and it absolutely transformed his whole life. He went from someone who was absolutely killing Christians to a Christian himself and now proclaiming who the Christ is. And then don't forget where Paul is when he's writing this. Like this, this guy, this dude is in a like, prison, like a real prison, like cold, maybe no bed, maybe really terrible food, like prison, like a legit real prison is where he's writing. And so I want to make sure that's clear because... This, it really resounds as we read this word from Paul and, and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so as we read, make sure and keep in mind everything we've studied before this. Before, we've studied that Jesus is the creator, the sustainer. He's the redeemer. He is all of these things. As we look at this, we're going to see, Lord, because of everything that we've seen, this is why you speak into these things. And so out of respect for God's word, we're going to stand up. We're going to stand up together and read his word. I almost think of it as like someone really important just came into the room. And so we're going to, out of respect, stand up together. And so starting in verse 24, we're going to read. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I will fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has, kept, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ powerfully works in me. And this is the word of the Lord. So praise be to God. You may be seated. So the textual idea that we see in these verses is that as Paul is in prison, he joyfully suffers for the sake of Christ's name and for his church. And if you're taking notes this morning, this is what I want you to write down. Jesus through it all. Jesus through it all. I had a mentor one time tell me this. He's like, me said, you need to have Jesus through it all. He's like, look, I know you just went through a breakup and, and, and you know, chocolate chip cookies are great and ice cream is great. But Jesus is better, so you need Jesus through this right now. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right, but I really want my cookies still. Um, but he was just so 
wise in saying, Misael, through these things that you're going through, you need Jesus. You absolutely need him. And so as we seek this answer to this question of like, is suffering worth it? We're going to see that, man, we truly need Jesus through it all. And so we're going to start in verse 24. And what I want us to see from verse 24 to verse 27 is that in Christ, we are comforted. In Christ, we are comforted. So we're going to dissect some of these verses. And and verse 24 is really dissected into two parts. And so the first part that I I want us to see is that Paul says that now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. Paul is really, really straightforward. He goes, man, I'm going to rejoice in how I'm suffering for you. And this is really interesting because if you remember, Paul has never actually met these people. Paul has never met the people that he's writing to. And he says, even though I've never met you, I still rejoice in the suffering I'm having to go through for you. This is so fascinating to me because in a sense, Paul is saying, I love the Lord and I, and I love you and I love seeing people come to the Lord more than I love my own comforts. I love you and I love the Lord more than I love my own bed, my own way of life, the things that I hold to be like mine, because I much rather be in prison for you and for the Lord than to be in my comfy little bed from where I'm from. And this is fascinating because it's like, there's a lot to learn here from Paul just in this little section where he's like, man, I just rejoice in this suffering. And, and really, Paul was suffering because he was trying to share the gospel with these Gentiles, these people who are like, yeah, who is this God you're talking about? And then he was trying to share the gospel with, with these Jews who were like, man, don't tell us about that. Stop advancing the gospel. Like, we already have this with God. He's like, no, 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 no. The Christ, the Messiah has come. And therefore, because he was preaching that, now he's suffering in prison. And so as Paul is saying this, one of the reasons why he can say that he can rejoice in this suffering is because he knew that suffering gave him this crazy awesome platform to pronounce and proclaim the glory of God. In a sense, this suffering carried so much more weight because he understood that in suffering, his proclamation of who Jesus was and who he is was worth so much more because he was willing to suffer for that. It carried so much more weight in what Paul had to say. And, and really, I can just imagine Paul thinking back at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, where he says, man, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, and as I think about that, it makes me wonder, what blessing would I be missing if I didn't suffer? What blessing would I be missing out? What kind of comfort from the Lord would I be missing out if I didn't suffer? And I think that's a really, that's an educated guess of an assumption that we could have from what Paul is thinking of. of he's like, man, I rejoice in this because I, I can proclaim the Lord in a way maybe I wasn't before. Maybe I can feel the Lord's comfort in a way I didn't before. And this is fascinating to see as Paul is just talking about this. And so that's the first part. Now, the second part of what what Paul says can be a little tricky. And I'm going to read it, and then we're going to explain it. Paul says, And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. You might be reading that or, like, hearing me say that, and you're like, what in the world did Paul just say? Like, what does that mean? What's fascinating is that really what Paul is saying, he's like, man, 
I have this really unique privilege to suffer for the Lord. Like he saw it as this unique privilege of like, I'm able to do this for the Lord and I love it and I'm grateful for it and I rejoice in it. And what Paul, Paul's not saying that something is lacking in what Jesus has done because Jesus' suffering and his sacrifice was enough. Paul's not saying that it's not. But what he's saying is like, man, I have followed Jesus. I've placed my faith in Jesus. I'm now a disciple of Jesus. So now I get to share in his suffering. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm grateful that I get to share in something that my Lord and my Savior was a part of. It's just part of discipleship. And he's like, man, I will share in the suffering for Jesus. In other words, you could say this, that Paul understood that to follow Jesus out of the grave, he must be willing to follow Jesus into the grave. It was this reality of like, man, I have to follow Jesus completely. Not, not just out of the grave, but in the grave. And this is, this is really important for us. Because Paul, in, in modern terms, you could say, man, Jesus took the hit for me. But I'm going to take a hit for him. I'm going to take a hit for his church. I'm going to do this in such a way because I find pleasure in almost identifying myself with Jesus in a way I couldn't before. Because now I can identify myself with him in this suffering. Where it's like, Jesus was a suffering servant. And now we see Paul as a suffering servant. And as we look at that, we can see the example of Paul and the example of Jesus of how we are to be suffering servants. Understanding that we are absolutely comforted in Christ. And so as we think about this, we also have to think about the way that Paul served and the way that Jesus served. They served in such a way that was with joy. They understood it was with duty. But also they did it without seeking anything in return. And that's fascinating because how many times do we do things that are nice or we serve in such a way just to get something in return? That's really, really important for us. So we're going to keep on going. We're going to go to verse 25. So look at verse 25 with me. It says, I've become its servant. Whose servant? The church's servant. By the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Paul understood that he had a particular assignment from God. He had a particular assignment of saying, man, I am here to make sure that the Jews understand that we see the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And then I'm also here to make sure that the Gentiles understand that the Lord Jesus Christ came for them as well. That's what we see here, the mystery, the, this fullness that we see in verse 26. So if you look at verse 26, it talks about this mystery. The mystery that has been kept hidden for all ages and generations, but is now disclosed in the Lord's people. You see this word mystery, uh, I, was, I was having a hard time, like, Paul, like, what do you mean by this mystery? Like, what do you mean by that? Well, if you think about this in its context, what Paul is really saying about this mystery, he means that there's this undiscoverable truth that can only be revealed by divine revelation. That's what he means. There's like this truth that was hidden and can only be discovered by divine revelation. And that divine revelation was Jesus Christ himself. And Paul is saying, man, to all of you who have seen the Lord work in Israel, man, the Christ is here for you. If you're a Gentile, the Christ is here for you. And can you imagine like being in this Jewish context or being a Jew and you're, and you're like, like, you're telling me right now that God came for the Egyptians, 
Like the ones that enslaved us? Like, are you telling me right now that the Christ, that God himself came for the Romans? The Romans that were absolutely like persecuting us and don't like us? What? I'm going to see them just being like, what? And Paul's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That this mystery came to all people. And it made me think, am I living in such a way that people look at me and saying, that's a mystery. Like, why are you living the way that you're living? Like, I'm questioning these things that you're doing. I'm questioning these things that you're saying. It's just a mystery to me. Like, how can you love people in this kind of way? How can you, how can you sacrificially serve in this kind of way? That's a mystery to me. Man, are we living in that kind of way? Paul saw his job, if you see in verse 27, he saw his job that he was to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul saw his job as saying, man, I want to make sure that people know this mystery of who God is. Christ was his focus. Jesus was his focus. And that's really important for us to understand because as Paul walked and as he served and as he suffered, he had one thing in mind, and that was the Lord. And so Paul didn't love the ministry. He loved the Lord of the ministry. He didn't love the harvest. He loved the Lord of the harvest. There's this huge difference between that, and that's why Paul can say, man, I rejoice in my suffering because I am comforted by the Lord, the Lord who is with me, the Lord who walks with me, the Lord who listens to me. And so as Paul suffered, he knew this. He knew that our hope is greater than our hurt. That our hope in Jesus is greater than our hope or that our hurt that we have right now. This became a great reality to me when I was in third grade. So when I was in third grade, my grandparents, they were traveling to this conference. And in this conference, they were traveling in this one bus and, and I was traveling in this other bus. It was really like, like vans. And we were traveling together to this conference. And we went there, and it was a great conference, and it was awesome. Uh, we had a great time. We had about 20 people go, 10 people on each bus. Van, it's called a van. And so on our way back, I really wanted to drive with my grandparents. I was like, Mom. I was like, Mom, can I just drive with my grandparents? I'm, I'm going to drive with my grandparents. She was like, yeah, go ahead. So I get into the van with my grandparents, and I'm like laying down because I was like, yeah, I'm not wearing my seatbelt. So I was like just laying down in the van, and we're almost about to go. Like we were like this close, ready to head back home, and we had to drive two hours. And my mom, she's like, Misael, I actually want you to come with me. And I was like, Mom, I thought you told me I can go with my grandparents. She's like, yeah, but you need to come with me. And I was like, why? Why, 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 why? You know, third grader. And she's like, Misael, I don't know why, but you have to come with me. And I was like, all right, cool. So I go with my mom, and I just, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, man. So I get in the van with my mom. So now we're driving back. Okay, my grandparents are in this van in front, and my mom and I and other people are in this van uh, in the back. And then at some point, you know, we're playing games on the highway like you usually do, and we actually get in front of my grandparents. And I, me as a little third grader, like, yeah, losers. So now my mom and I are in front with these other people, and my grandparents are behind. By this time, it was nighttime. And what had happened, 
for some reason, my mom and I look up at the rearview mirror at the same time, and all of a sudden, we see these headlights go like this. And then we see, and we hear, and my mom and I were like, what just happened? So my mom stops the van, turns around, makes a U.E., and all we see is this pancake of a van now. It's a pancake. And I just, I was in shock. I didn't know what to do. And my mom was like, guys, because there's people screaming in the van, and I was just like, my mom's like, guys, just stay here. I'm going to go check on them. So my mom goes out and goes up to the van, and <laughs> she sees my grandma crawling out of the van. My grandpa, he's silently just like, hmm. There's people on other sides of the road uh, that just didn't have breath in their lungs. They had died on impact. And I just remember that day so vividly. And I, and I remember going to the hospital and seeing my grandma and my grandpa. And, and they were telling me, they're like, I shouldn't be alive right now. And I remember my grandpa, he was in a wheelchair for I don't know how long. And it's just crazy as I look at them. This was this past Christmas. And I just can't believe that they're still alive. And, I, and they'll tell you, they're like, it was the Lord's hand on our life. And I remember it like if it was yesterday. I'm at my grandparents' house. And both my grandpa and my grandma are in their bed. They can't move. My grandpa has to get around in a wheelchair. Like, he, he can't do the normal human being things without help. And I remember him telling me, he goes, Misael, I'm in a ton of pain. I hurt a lot. But my hope in Jesus is much greater than my hurt. And that just impacted me. I was like, Grandpa, that's crazy how you can say that. And he goes, but it's true. It's so true, Misael. He goes, because I know that if I would have died on impact, I know where I would be. I know that I've have, I would have a hope for right now. I knew I'd have a hope with Jesus because I would be with him. And it was awesome to see my grandparents go through that whole experience and how they were comforted by the Lord. They were comforted by his hope. And so maybe this morning you walked in with a lot of hurt. Can I just encourage you that there's a lot of hope? There's a lot more hope than there is hurt. Honestly, like there's so much hope that we can see in God's word and really what God is doing. And if, if really, if I can take a moment just to celebrate together, because you might be like, yeah, me said, I'm hurting a ton. I don't know where to look for the hope. And I was like, okay, let me point you to some hope real quick, if that's okay. Last week, I put out, we put out uh, this, this little flyer, this little Facebook graphic on Facebook for people to, be, to sign up and to be like, hey, if you want to learn English, come to our campus right here. Come to our campus if you want to learn English. And what was crazy is that in two days, dos, we had 60 people say, I'm interested to come. Yeah. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? That means that next week, we're going to start for the very first time Wednesdays on this campus 
And that means that I think we're going to have more than 100 people here on campus wanting to learn English and Spanish and being youth and kids and preschool. I don't know when the last time that happened, but I'm like, Lord, that's something to celebrate. Like, oh, my goodness, because there's going to be people in this building, whether it's English or Spanish, be able to encounter the risen Lord King Jesus and be like, Lord, like, yeah, I'm learning English. Yeah, I'm learning Spanish, but I'm able to know and communicate your word. I'm able to encounter you in a way I never have before. (laughs) I just think that's so cool. That's so cool. And so we've seen that in Christ we are comforted, that our hope is greater than our hurt. And the next thing I want us to see is that in Christ we are completed. In Christ we are completed. And we see this in verses 28 and 29. Verse 28 says this, that he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ is so powerfully working in me. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read this to you. Paul's message was clear. Through it all, it is Jesus whom we proclaim. Because apart from Christ, there is no explanation for life. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone in which we are forgiven and transformed. Paul did not conceive of people's hope resting on an event. He conceived their hope resting on a person. It is the person and work of Jesus that Paul preached, and it is that truth in which convicts people to repentance and full maturity. Think about that. It is Christ and Christ alone. Time and time again, Paul's saying, repent and believe, repent and believe. Because there's so much more to this life than you know. And Paul's methods were really twofold. You see that he was admonishing and that he was teaching. Admonishing is one of those things that it's a word that really means confronting. So one of Paul's jobs was confronting What's really confronting is is this intentional way of approaching people that you're hoping that their attitudes and that their actions would change. And you do it in this loving way. Another thing that Paul did was teach, which is something like this. He would teach about the truths of who the Lord Jesus was, and that was part of his job. And really, you could say that this is something that pastors do. As pastors, we confront people. We teach people. But let me tell you, we are in this relationship with the Lord where really we're in this discipleship walk with him. So I want to encourage you that as believers in Jesus, as people who are walking in discipleship with him, can I encourage you and challenge you to confront people with the truth of the gospel, to teach one another with the truth of the gospel? Because that is our purpose That was Paul's purpose, and we can see that in our own lives. And Paul, he saw this because he knew that the day of the Lord was coming. He said, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And him, he had this, he knew, he's like, man, the day's coming where I'm going to have to present people to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, I did my very best to really bring them on and make them fully mature in you. And see, this is really important because as Paul suffered, he knew that our urgency 
is much greater than our reluctancy. Our urgency is greater than our reluctancy. You see, I don't know if you've ever been in this place in your life, but there have been moments where I've been reluctant to just talk to people about who the Lord is. And the reason I was reluctant is because I just assumed. I assumed that they already walked with the Lord. I assumed that they already knew who he was, but I was totally wrong. And there have been moments in my life where I've truly had a huge headache and heartache because I knew someone that had died, but I never, ever had a conversation with them about the Lord. And my prayer is like, Lord, remind me of the urgency. Remind me to not just assume where people are. And this is what I loved about Elevation Weekend. Our students were at Elevation Weekend, and it was a powerful moment because the whole weekend was based around the uprising. The uprising, and their whole motto was rise up. Rise up. If you, if you are in Christ, rise up. Understand the urgency that we have and, and stop living, assuming that people around you know the Lord because you never know. And this is why I'm really excited for circles because this whole idea of circles propels us, propels us to engage people in our circle saying, man, I absolutely have to and need to engage people with the gospel and the vision of our church. And how cool will it be? Because I don't know this right now, but how cool will it be if one Sunday I look out and I know exactly who's sharing the gospel and who's sharing the vision of our church. That is so cool and so powerful. And that's why I think circles are so important for us. And as people who live with urgency, we have to make a really, really stark distinction. As people who live with urgency, we have to be able to distinguish the good things and the God things. What are the good things, but what are the God things? There's a really stark, stark difference. And the reason that's the case is because there's a lot of things that are good. But it's like, Lord, what would you have me do? What are those God things that you would have me do? As we finish in this passage, let me, let me ask you a question. As we've tried to wrap our minds around, is suffering worth it? I think it is. I think Paul thought that it was because he was suffering for Christ. Think about this. Imagine if Jesus would have said, you know what? Yeah, this whole suffering thing, truly not worth it. This whole suffering thing, yeah, not about that. I'm just going to peace out. Where would we be? Where would we be if Jesus didn't suffer? I hope we never fall into the lie that when we are in Christ, we will never suffer. Because suffering is this normal part of being human. So don't fall into that lie that we get from the world that everything should be perfect. If anything, I'd be a little scared if things were perfect. I'd be like, what happened? What'd I miss? But man, the Lord Jesus said, yeah, suffering is worth it, and suffering is worth it for you, for you, for you, for you. And I'm going to take your place. And I'm going to die the death that you deserve. And I'm going to do something that you can never do without me. And you can never do. And that is absolutely come out of the grave and proclaiming 
that you have the power over death. Only I, the Lord himself, Jesus, can do that. And that is so profound. And that is why Paul continues to say, repent and believe, repent and believe. And so I hope that this morning, if you're feeling really hurt, can we take a moment to just fix our eyes on the Lord? Fix our eyes that he is our comfort. Fix our eyes that we are completed in him. You know, I was debating on saying this. I really was, but I think I need to. Maybe some of you have been going to church for a really, really long time. And maybe some of you, this is your very first time ever coming to church. Can I just, can I just give you a thought? I'm just give you, can I give, just give you a thought? We are not born into the church. We are reborn into the church. I want that thought to just linger for a little bit. That we are not born into the church, but we are reborn into the church. And we must be reborn spiritually. The Lord says, repent and believe. And, and man, when you surrender your life to me, I'm gonna make you a new creation. Reborn. And so, if you're in here this morning and it's like, yeah, me said, I haven't been reborn. And I'd love to talk to you about that. And if you're in here this morning dealing with hurt, man, I would encourage you that the Lord's hope is so much greater. And so let's pray together. Lord, some of us are asking the question, is this worth it? Some of us are asking the question, is suffering worth it? Some of us are absolutely exhausted mentally. Some of us are absolutely exhausted in so many ways. But God, thank you. Thank you that you refresh us and thank you that regardless, regardless of what we do for you, you still love us. And that's crazy. So Lord, I pray that you right now continue to speak and to deal with the hearts of us right now. Lord, because you are moving, your spirit is moving and it's evident. Lord, pierce our hearts, pierce our souls as we reflect and respond to your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let us stand together. And we're going to respond to the Lord. And maybe this morning, you just have to get on your knees where you're at. Or maybe you have to come down to the front and pray. Or, or maybe you have to come over here because I'm going to be standing right over here and pray or, or talk. Or maybe you need to come find me after the service. But don't leave this place without responding. The Lord is worthy of our response. He's worthy of our worship. So let's sing.